Father, it is time for your word. As we prepare, we give you Pastor Walker. Father, right now, he, being made to give you glory, is prepared to deliver your message. So right now, Father, lay your hand upon him. Fill him with your spirit, fill him with your word, and allow, Father, your message to come forth. Father, continue to use Pastor Walker, continue to anoint Pastor Walker, continue to strengthen and encourage him as he delivers your message. We thank you for him. We thank you for the message which is forthcoming. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you. 
I had to say that. Is it a passive compassion or is it an active compassion? Now, please permit me to say this. No matter how much love or compassion we display to one another and others, it will not get us into heaven. Only a right relationship with Jesus can do that. I wanted to make sure I put that out there. And so, today I want to talk to you, and when I use this as my title, The Compassion of Jesus, Part 5. The Compassion of Jesus, Part 5. Our theme for today will be active compassion. Active compassion. Our text will be the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verse 38 through 44. Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 38 through 44. In verses 38 and 40, we will look at one of the foundations of active compassion. And in verses 41 through 44, we will look at we will look at active compassion. Amen? I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask our dear deacon here, Patricia, if she would please read this passage for us. She's, she's doing extra duty today, so I don't think that uh, you know, she, she's going to get together. She's pressed into duty today, so we're going to take it on and do fine. I got it, Pastor. Jesus told him, 
And let him go. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of the word. Amen. Father God, we ask for God that you be presence among us today when you said we're two or three are gathered in my name that I am in the midst of them. I am not worthy of expounding on this text, but I ask for God that you will help me through this text today so that you might get the glory. Now God, I ask that you allow your spirit to work through its way through this sanctuary and open hearts and minds as they might be receptive to your teaching this day that you would send the Holy Spirit, the resident teacher of God, that he would move us in such a way, Father, that we might know what thus says the Lord. Now God, use me, O oh God, to give you glory. It is in the name of Jesus that we say thank you. Thank you. And amen. And as usual, I like to read over the text just for confirmation to my own soul. In verses 38 to 40, the text tells us, deeply moved once more, Jesus went to the tomb, which was a cave, the stone placed at its entrance. Take away the stone. Jesus answered, Martha, the dead man's sister, answered, There will be a bad smell, Lord. He has been buried four days. And Jesus said to her, Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed? Lazarus was in a state of decomposing. He was been in the grave for four days. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Because Jesus waited four days so there would be no question that he had the power to raise the dead. It was a Jew's belief back then that <clears throat> for three days the spirit would hover around the dead body, but on the fourth day they would declare them dead. And so Jesus waited till the fourth day so there'd be no question of who he was. <clears throat> now let me say this, there are two kinds of compassion. There is passive and active. Passive compassion is when we say things like, I feel so sorry for that person. Or isn't it a shame that it happened to so-and-so? You see, if we have the resources or other means to help someone who we have compassion for them and their situation, and for one reason or another, do not act on that compassion for that person, then that is passive compassion. And one thing that we all can do, and that's prayer. I said, there's one thing we all can do, and that's to pray. And again, it says, and even if we do not have the resources or other means to help that person, maybe we know someone who can. But again, the least we can do is pray. 
came with a little baby that was in nursing uh, home and before, you know. I prayed. I didn't know who the baby was. I know that baby needed help. And I prayed. When you see someone needs help, you don't have to know their name. Just pray for them. When something moves you, you got to pray. You can't just sit there. You got to pray. You got to go to your father and say, Father, help. I don't know who it is, but they need some help. And I, I'm praying for them. Many times I run up and down the highway, see cars stopping the highway. I pray that person get their car going. I pray. That's what we do. We pray, we pray, we pray. We pray for people. You don't have to know them. You don't have compassion for them. The same way Jesus has compassion for us. Let's, let's look at the foundation of active compassion. The text tells us that Jesus was deeply moved once more. You see in verse 33 of this same chapter, 11th chapter of John, Jesus also was deeply moved. That verse tells us that Jesus saw Mary weeping, and he saw how the people with her were weeping also, and his heart was touched. And he was deeply moved. And so you see the foundation of being active in our compassion is first being deeply moved by someone or some situation. For you see when you are deeply moved it comes from the inside of your soul. And you just can't sit there. You have to pray. You have to do something. We've been deeply moved before. Deeply moved when a loved one dies. Deeply moved when we do as a marriage or a birth of a child. Those are some situations where we're deeply moved. You see, when the, when the twins, love and compassion, get stirred up in the heart of Jesus, there's no limit to his act of compassion. He has plenty of witnesses who can testify to that fact. The Samaritan woman of a witness, the Samaritan woman of John chapter 4, she was confused about life-giving water. But when she left Jesus, she left her own water there because she had found that life-giving water. You see, Jesus, she deeply moved the heart of Jesus. Or ask the crippled man at the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5, who Jesus told him to get up and take your mat and go home. Because he had been suffering for 38 years. Nobody would help him. 38 years he was suffering. And every time he said he tried to get in the pool, somebody else would come over and get in front of him. He had to put up with that every day. And Jesus knew the history. He knew all that he was going through. But when Jesus came in town, all that changed. Because Jesus had compassion for him. And he said, get up, take up your mat, and go home. The ten lepers in Luke 17. Jesus saw them from a distance and was moved by them, deeply moved 
crucified them and healed them. Nine left, only one came back to say thank you. Just one. How many times has Jesus helped us out and we know it was nothing but him? How many times have we said thank you? How many times have we left the hospital and said thank you Jesus for healing my boy? How many times when the situation in our home got right, we said thank you Jesus for bringing some peace and calm into my family. We ought to be a thankful and a grateful people for what he's done and what he's doing for us. I could go on and on, but you get the point. When the heart of Jesus gets stirred up, every circumstance, every situation, every disease and sickness, they all must bow to his will. There is power in the compassion of Jesus. Verse 38 of, in verse 38 first Jesus is deeply moved but deeply moved over what? We know the first time he was deeply moved over Mary and the others crying over Lazarus of the dead in verse 33 but what is he deeply moved over in this verse 38? What's he deeply moved over here? Well, I'm thinking verse 37, I believe is what he's deeply moved over. Let's look at verse 37 in John chapter 11, verse 37. Let's see what the text tells us there. <clears throat> it says that, but some of them said, he gave sight to the blind man, didn't he? Could he not have kept Lazarus from dying? And then the next verse says, deeply moved once more. Deeply moved over what? Deeply moved over verse 37 for the lack of faith that they had in Jesus. Let me read it again. But some of them said he gave sight to the blind man, didn't he? Yes. Could he not have kept the Lazarus back? Yes. He could have. Again, God wants us to trust him. Of course he could do that. Because he's the son of God. He's God himself. He can do whatever he wants to do. There's a reason why God allows things to happen to us. We don't have to know all the reasons, but there's a reason why He allows things to happen to us. All we have to do is hold on and be patient. So first, Jesus is deeply moved, and then secondly, He tells him to <clears throat> take the stone away from in front of the tomb. He doesn't go into a whole lot of dialogue of, I'm here for this, I'm here for that. Just take the stone away. The last time a stone was taken away from a burial tomb, it was empty. Jesus had risen. This time there's somebody in it, but he won't be in it for very long. There is not a burial tomb or a cemetery or a grave in the world 
that can hold anybody who Jesus had lack of compassion for. All he has to do is just speak the word. And it happens. All must bow. Now look at Martha when she should be displaying great joy while getting ready to receive her brother back from the dead. And all she can say is, there's going to be a bad smell, smell because he has been buried for four days. I know we're laughing, but you know what? We do the same thing. We're all Marthas. We're all Marthas. <laughs> she knew the power of Jesus. Not that she had a lack of faith. She knew what Jesus could do. But this is one of her now moments. But watch. Jesus, what? Quickly corrects her. For he says, Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed?
He said, I tell you that this poor widow put in more than all the others. Or the others offered their gifts from what they had to spare of their riches. But she, poor as she is, gave all she had to live on. That's upfront faith. Jesus knows us, people with upfront faith. We all have to have something to lay back on, don't we? Now, if I've got to have something to lean on in case I fall, Jesus says, lean on me. Trust me. Stop living on yourself and live with me. This woman didn't have anything. She was trusting that God would take care of her. Upfront faith. Now, we've seen this foundation is deeply moved. Now, I want us to look at what active compassion really is. In verse 41 and 44, the text tells us they took the stone away. Jesus looked up and said, I thank you, Father, that you listen to me. I know that you always listen to me, but I say this for the sake of the people here so that they will believe that you sent me. After he said this, he called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. He came out, his hands and feet wrapped in grave clothes and with a cloth around his face. Untie him, Jesus told them, and let him go. Untie him and let him go. Now in this, in his active compassion, the first thing Jesus does is have them take the stone away. You see that? Now make no mistake about it, if Jesus wanted to, he could bring Lazarus through the stone. But he says it for our benefit. Because a lot of us have stones. He says, take the stone away first. Before anything happens, take the stone away. Some of us are in our own tombs with a stone rolled up against it. And we do not want Jesus to roll the stone away because then we would have to get active and start doing some kingdom work. Well. <laughs> Amen, somebody. That's okay. Just leave the stone where it's at. I'm all right where I'm at. That's okay. Just every now and then you can come see, but I don't want to come out of here. I'm comfortable. No. We're all right in that tomb. We don't want anybody disturbing our daily habits and our way of life. I don't want anything, I don't want anything like that there. I don't want to become one of them Jesus freaks. No, just leave me alone every now and then. I, I'll come to church every now and then. And you know, everything will be all right. Just leave me in my tomb. I'm comfortable there. But you see, Actually, we are spiritually dead in the spiritual burial tomb. 
We say to Jesus, don't move the stone. I'm doing just fine in here. You see, if we were living in this spiritual tomb, then we are spiritually walking dead people. We have a lot of dead people walking around. Dressed up in $500 suits and $1,000 dresses and driving $50,000 cars and living in two homes and two garages and all that. But they're walking dead people. And not only that, but there are some who don't have anything. And they are walking dead people. Unless you have Jesus, you are a walking dead person. I don't care what you have behind your name. I don't care how much PhDs and DDs and all of that. And all that is fine. But they are not going to get you to heaven. I'm just waiting. Jesus said, come out of that tomb. Come out of that. Now when they looked the stone, when they took the stone away, Jesus looks up at the Father. You see, first he, you have to roll the stone away. Second, you have to look up at the Father. And he says, I thank you, Father, that you listen to me. I, I know that you always listen to me, but I say this for the sake of the people here so that they will believe that you sent me. You know how some of us like to get up and pray these long prayers, these one and two hour prayers. Well. Oh, Jesus said, I thank you, Father. Thank you is a prayer. If you mean it in your heart, thank you, two words is a prayer. Two words is going to follow that an hour prayer. I thank you, Father. Now, what did Jesus pray? Well, remember that Lazarus was dead four days before Jesus came. I suspect that Jesus was in prayer to his father those four days because he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And by the way, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, the time clock was ticking on him because they could not have anybody raise the dead like that and live. You see, before Jesus did anything of great significance, he would always check in with the Father. In Matthew 26, Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so it should be with us. Whenever we have to make a major decision in our lives, we should always go in prayer to our Father. Actually, we should be in prayer with him all the time. But Jesus in the God of Gethsemane, he knew he was going to die. He knew what was going to take place. He knew the suffering he was going to have. And he said, Father, if it's possible, if it's possible, take this cup away from me. But nevertheless, let your will be done. And that should be our cry. Whatever it is, let God's will be done. God's will may not be our will, but it's His will. You see, sometimes we think God's will is uh, everything's going to be alright all the time and uh, I'm going to have a happy life all the time. Sometimes God sees something that we don't see. 
God says, my will to keep you there right now. When the time is right, I'll break those chains right now. It's my will that you live like you're living right now. Don't try to go ahead of me and do stuff that you think is my will. Let God's will be done. And so Jesus allowed God's will to be done by dying on the cross for us. It was God's will for him to die so that he could have communication with us. Don't you know that there are literally millions of people in the world who don't have communication with God? And the way to have communication with God is to have that right relationship with the Son Jesus. And when we have a, a right relationship with the Son Jesus, when we give our all, when we give our life to Jesus, that opens up heaven for us to pray to God. And God hears our prayer. It only comes through Jesus. That's why we thank Him so much. We're able to talk with God. We're able to tell Him what's on our mind. We're able to go into our prayer closet and, and talk to God and say, God, I've, I've had a bad day today, and I didn't think I was going to make it, but by your grace and mercy, I made it. God, I'm having problems with my, with my health and strength today, and I just ask that you remember me, oh God. I mean, we pray to God like, we, like He's right there with us. So Jesus says, I, I, I thank you, Father, that, that, that you listen to me. And, and I don't do it for the, I do it to let them know that, 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 that for their sake, not for mine, that I know you hear me. I know you hear me, but for their sake. Because they know what's getting ready to happen is by your great power. And so he simply said, I thank you, Father. I tell you, those two words can do wonders. I thank you, Father. I thank you that I woke up this morning. Thank you, Father. I thank you, Father, that I employed. I thank you, Father. I thank you that I can pay my, my note. I thank you, Father. I thank you for the help and strength of my family. I thank you, Father. All those things you can just say, thank you, Father. And now Jesus is going to do something that's going to shock the world. Jesus, watch this, goes up to the tomb. The stone has been taken away and it calls Lazarus out from among the dead. Only Lazarus. This Lazarus, watch this, the condition that his body was in for being in the grave for four days, 96 hours, in a grave. This awesome power of Jesus. He has been in the grave for four days. His, his body has decomposed. The muscle tissue begins to lose its stiffness within 36 hours of being in a grave. Within 72 hours of dying, the body's rigor mortis will subside. 
as the cells die, bacteria within the body begin breaking them down. These composing tissue emits a, a green substance, as well as gases come out, methane, hydrogen, sulfide. This is the condition that, that Lazarus' body was in. Not only was his dead, but his body was wasting away. This is the state of his body. And, and even more than this, because Lazarus had been dead for 96 hours. And Jesus, Jesus goes up to the tomb. And he calls him out with three words, three words. Lazarus, come out! Just three words from Jesus. And the decomposing stops. And the body became whole and healthy again. All the decay stopped. Why? Because the master has spoken. The muscle tissues became strong again. The rigor mortis left his body. His cells came back to life. And the bacteria stopped breaking down his body. The body stopped decomposing. They all bowed down to Jesus. Three words. Lazarus, come out! They bow down to Jesus' command. This body that had really had no skin on came back together again. The same Jesus who called out for the wind and the waves to stop. The same Jesus in Genesis to God said, let there be light and they were light. This same Jesus, watch this, whose spirit lives within us. Jesus didn't ask him to do that. 
He just said, untie him and let him go. Jesus did not demand that because he raised Lazarus from the dead because he loved him and had compassion for him, active compassion. That's why he raised him from the dead. And to give God glory. You know how we always have a, if somebody does something for everyone, we want that, if we do something, we look for something to come back to us and all that. Jesus, here's Jesus who raised flesh, who laid bones, put flesh on bones. You don't have to come to me. I raised you from the dead because I love you. You don't owe me anything. I love you. And this same Jesus who, who loves Lazarus like that is the same Jesus who loves you and me. And this same Jesus, when the time is right, and even if we leave here, he's going to raise us from the dead just like he raised Lazarus from the dead. This same Jesus, when we call on him, whether on top of the grave or under the grave, and when we call out to Jesus, Jesus hears our prayers. Tell you, there's something going on here. This love of God that, 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 we, that we think we know and we don't know. Jesus says, you don't have to do anything for me. I have compassion for you. And Jesus has compassion for every single one. The sickness he has compassion for. We ought to say thank you. Thank you for what he's done. He loved him and he had compassion to him. He had after compassion. Well, I guess he could have said, oh, well, Lazarus is dead. I, I feel sorry for Lazarus. You know, he, he, uh, you know, he died and had him back. And, and that was it. That's passive compassion. He was a good friend of mine, but I'll just let him rest there. You know. No, he didn't do that. He knew there was something that he could do, that he could raise him from the dead. And he says, I'm not going to let Lazarus rot in that grave because I have compassion for him and I love him. Lazarus, come out! That's what he did. And he does the same thing us when he sees us going through trials and tribulations. But we're so wrapped up in what we're going through that we, we don't understand that Jesus is at the right hand of God praying through us and talking to the Father about us. But we're all wrapped up in the stuff that got us going wherever it came from instead of saying, thank you, Father. I know you see the situation that we're in. Thank you, Father. And I don't know if they're going to take me out of it now, but I want you to know that I love you now. And even if you don't do anything, I still want you to know that I love you. Thank you, Father. You've already done more than enough for me already, but thank you, Father. Just thank you. I thank you for my life. I thank you for my family. I thank you for my friends. I thank you, Father. I know that you love me. I know that you're real. I know that you have compassion for me. So I'm going to hold on. Whatever's going on in my life, I'm going to hold on because I know you're coming. I know you're coming. You don't have passive compassion for me. You have active compassion for me. Don't let me get ahead of myself. Don't let me go trying to work things out on my own when I know that there's something that you have in store for me. And I know that it gets rough sometimes. Sometimes it gets rough. And I understand it gets rough sometimes. But God is who he is. He's God of the universe. When he speaks, things happen. Things happen to us sometimes. God didn't promise us that everything is going to be rosy. But he did promise that I will be with you. 
I will be with you. So I want you to remember, I want you to remember Lazarus. Jesus' friend. Just like we are Jesus' friend. Jesus had compassion on him. And so I say hallelujah to our God. I praise God for Jesus' compassion. Jesus is the compassionate one. For his compassion knows no limit. God bless him who sits at the right side of God, expressing love and compassion for us who call on his name. So I simply say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Nothing else needs to be said. I say, Jesus, one who raises the dead, Jesus. The one who's ahead of my life, Jesus. The one who watches over my family, Jesus. The one who blesses us, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. I know you're set at the right side of God. I know that you hear us. We thank you for all that you've done for us. We want you to know that we're going to call on your name. Yeah. We're not going to get ahead of ourselves. Because there's only one name that really matters. And that's Jesus. I'm so glad. I'm